You're listening to Backstage at Lyric, the podcast that takes you behind the scenes at Lyric Opera of Chicago. Backstage at Lyric features in-depth interviews with singers, conductors, and creative talents at one of the world's great opera companies. For additional podcast interviews, subscribe to our RSS feed or visit us online at lyricopera.org. Bass baritones Paul Corona, Sam Handley, and Craig Irvin are backstage at Lyric. It's someone who's not good enough to sing bass and not good enough to sing baritone. <laughs> no so. high notes, low no notes. <laughs> exactly, yeah. exactly. The bass baritone is, it's a certain color. It, it means that you're singing basically in the middle of the voice all the time. We have low notes and high notes, but... Uh, I refer to myself as an in-betweener sometimes, and yes. and so consequently we wind up doing some of the lower baritone repertoire that maybe the producers would like, a, a heavier, richer, darker sound, or we wind up singing the higher bass repertoire, which because it needs a little more flexibility and a little more agility on the top end, mm-hmm. and doesn't have you know, maybe a, a need for a cavernous low D, like maybe Osmine or, or <laughs> yeah. something like that. Thank you for downloading this episode of Backstage at Lyric. I'm Roger Pines of Lyric Opera of Chicago. Currently in Lyric's training program, the Ryan Opera Center, we have three gifted singers who are all bass baritones. In our conversation, you'll hear them talk about their particular voice category and what's coming up for them in the 2009-10 Lyric season. They'll also talk about their life at Lyric, including their memorable experiences working alongside great artists. I'm your host for this interview with Paul Corona, Sam Handley, and Craig Irvin. I hope you enjoy it. I'm here with three current members of the Ryan Opera Center, Lyric Opera's celebrated training program. And I would like to go around the table and have you identify yourselves by name and uh, tell our listeners how long you've been with the program, beginning with the gentleman on my right. Uh, my name is Craig Irvin. This is actually my second year of the program, so I'm really excited for it. Thanks. I'm Sam Handley, and I'm a second-year bass baritone in the program. Hi, I'm Paul Corona. I'm a third-year bass baritone in the Ryan Opera Center. And we will talk about this vocal category that all three of you share, but first... Um, I wanted to talk about the operas that you were actually performing on stage this season, beginning with um, the opening opera, which is Tosca, in which you are all performing. Paul, what are you singing in Tosca? Uh, I'll be singing the role Sharone in Tosca. Who is? It's Scarpia's, one of his henchmen uh, I'm on the police force. Yes. And Sam, you are singing? I'm singing the role of the jailer who comes in at the end to tell Cavaradossi that it's almost time and he had just a couple more minutes. So you could conceivably be on stage when they shoot him at the end, right? I think occasionally he's around, yeah. But uh, you're there in an exciting part of, of the opera, and you exactly. certainly are too, Paul. And, and, and Craig, you start the <laughs> opera. He's, I'm, I'm he's the first voice you'll hear all of next season. Uh, I'm Angelotti. Uh, I'm, who, who is? Who, he's uh, an escaped prisoner. He just escaped from Sant'Angelo, where he was beaten and tortured by Scarabia and his fiends. Uh, allegedly. Ale- allegedly. 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 <laughs> um, so I start off the show, and 
Now, what uh, excites the three of you most about the piece, which you've probably seen on stage or on television, on film several times before? What is it that keep, do you think keeps audiences coming back to Tosca? And what would you tell somebody who was going to Tosca for the first time? I would say Scarpia, but that's just because it's a role I want to sing someday. But the Tadeum was really one of the my, one of my favorite moments in all of opera. The end of the first act is just <coughs> amazing singing. Sam, cool. Paul. Well, and, I mean, for me, it's because it's Tosca, it's Puccini, so uh, the music is so popular and famous. It's the same reason everyone loves Bohem. It's just the way he puts all the music together. Verismal Opera is, without a doubt, my favorite category to sing. Sam, do you go for Puccini as well? I do, I, and it's, it's, this is probably quintessential. Luce van la Stella is, is the aria you study. To, for to learn. that it, well, know. no, I mean for for anyone musicolo- musicologically, it's it's the one that that epitomizes what Puccini does for the singer and the way it's orchestrated, the way the the general melodic line is shaped. It's, so, in terms of musicology, I think it's it's a pinnacle piece, and also but, it happens to be one of the most beautiful moments at all of Puccini. <laughs> absolutely, and and as Tosca itself is just probably one of the most powerful women, as we're coming from a time. In the mid 19th century, when women had to either be feverish or driven mad or asleep to really do really powerful things before that, mm-hmm. and Tosca, it's, you know, takes power and control at the end herself. You also are going to be performing in a historically very important production that was mm-hmm. conceived in the 60s by Franco Zeffirelli at Covent Garden for Maria Callas and Tito Gobi. Have you seen what this production is going to be like yet? Have you seen pictures I have of it, actually. I've, seen, I, I've heard some recordings, but... It's my understanding a good bit of it is being redone. Yes. And so it's very exciting, and I'm very, very excited to see what it's going to look now, like. as we proceed through the season, um, what other, other operas are the three of you involved in, on the stage, that is? Well, I mean, I'm in the first two shows this season. I'm in Ernani. I'm singing the role Iago in it. Who is? But basic nobleman, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's a person who sings two measures and then 28 pages of course. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so two sentences. <laughs> and um, neither one of you, I think, uh, Sam and Craig, you're not involved in Ernani. I'm, right? co- I'm actually covering Paul. I see. I'm covering Yaga. And then we move to, I guess, yeah, Faust. Yeah, Faust. Oh, Faust, yes. yeah. I'm not in Faust. Mm-hmm. I, but it'll you know. be a great show. There's, I'll go to it many times, yes. but I'm not involved. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm, in, I'm actually singing the first two shows, but then I'm actually understudying in Elixir of Love and Marriage of Figaro. So. And, uh, <coughs> but as far as Faust goes, another great favorite with oh. the Lyric Opera audience. Have you right. seen a number of Faust before? I've seen two, two other. And has I've, it been exciting? It's a fantastic opera. It's, I mean, they call it Marguerite in Germany, but, <laughs> but it's, well, it's a really great Faustian, yeah. Faustian setting. It, it's because it's so far away from Goethe's actual writing right. that the Germans... Thought it was blasphemy to call it. Faust. And do all three of you have designs on singing Mephistopheles? Oh yeah, someday. someday. Well, yeah, not yet. I've been told <laughs> yeah. not to even go near it. But, <laughs> yeah. That's what happens when you're 25. We, yeah. we then proceed to Katya Kabanova, and that's by Janáček, <laughs> and we have mm. not done that in mm. I think more than 20 years. Uh, 70s. Maybe. Have you Sorry. been uh, in Janáček productions in the past? Any? I've done the role that I'm covering. Oh really? Before. Though I did it oh. in English, but I did it when I was in school and the, the role University is of Houston. Decoy. Decoy, who is a fairly nasty guy. He is. He's, he? he's an uncle. He's just a surly old man. He's also a little uh, 
of questionable in his cups. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, so, w- what do you recall from Ka- from your experience in Katya as being you know special and exciting about the, the, the piece? I remember thinking that was just a, a glorious, glorious music, and the, the orchestra being so lush and full, and and I I really liked it, and I thought all the characters were extremely real, and I think you and I have talked about this in the past that it. All of the decoy is a drunk old man who's just trying to get with his woman, and Kabaniche is also just a surly, strong woman, and and Katya is trying to get control of her life as it's sort of spun out of hand, and, and so it's, it's all everybody's very believable, and the characters are just are people that you could sort of you know remember knowing down the street in many ways. Now, uh, we are doing our holiday show is The Merry Widow, yeah. another piece that we haven't done here in quite a while. Now, Craig, you've had a fair amount of musical theater yeah, and have. operetta yes. experience. Yeah. Now, are you involved in The Merry I'm Widow? I'm unfortunately not. I was really bummed, but at least this way I get to go see it a lot. I've, uh, I've done Baron Zeta before. Uh, it's, it's, it's a fun show. There's beautiful music in it. One of my favorite duets um, is the Pavilion duet. Um, for tenor and soprano. For tenor and soprano. I hate mm. that I don't get to sing it, and I very rarely say that my favorite <laughs> music is sung by a tenor. Uh, but it is. It's just a glorious duet, and there's a fun can-can in it. It's, it's a very funny show. I'm looking forward to seeing it. Uh, then what are your other assignments for the remainder of the season? Uh, we have Damnation uh, of Faust. I'm, yeah, I'm covering in Damnation of Faust mm-hmm. and in uh, Figaro. Yeah, I mean, well, I'm covering Figaro and Marriage of Figaro. That's my big assignment this year. I'm very excited about that. Yeah, for and any I, bass baritone, it's a major yeah, event yeah. in life. Yes, <laughs> it, it truly is. Uh, it's one of our bread and butter roles. You can't see my air quotes right now. But uh, for all bass baritones, Figaro is one that you should just learn early on because we can sing it whether you're middle-aged, older, younger, preferably young. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I've been very excited about that, and I just found out the news that I will have the privilege of rehearsing for the first four days in role to nice. sing the actual role of Figaro. Very so. Now, Sam, you are involved in our student matinees of the Elixir of Love, right? I'm, I'm doing Dual Kamara on the student matinees, the charlatan who sells the actual Elixir of Love <laughs> to Nemorino. And Elixir of Love was described by our general director, Bill Mason, as one of his desert island Operas. Really? Wow. Yes, where he always brings a smile to his face. What are the qualities of Elixir of Love, do you think, that would create that response in him? It's an opera that he's known, I think, virtually all his life, and the freshness of it seems to have stayed with him all these years. Well, it's an, years. a quintessential uh, a bel canto piece. Mm-hmm. It's, it is beautiful singing, and we're going to have some really great singers doing it. And the student matinees is going to be... All of the singers for the student matinee are from the Ryan Opera Center and all extremely well cast, I think, if I may say so. But I'm very, very glad that all of my colleagues are going to be well highlighted in that. Speaking of great singing brings us to the singers who are going to be around this season, the great singers who are coming to Lyric. Beginning with James Morris, mm, wow, uh, yeah. one of the great bass baritones of our time, who's yes. singing Scarpia yeah. and Tosca. So in, they're in the you, first run. Yeah, in the yes, first yeah, run right. of Tosca mm-hmm. performances. So... What do you anticipate? You're going to be sitting there all day, every day, watching James Morris rehearse and perform. What do you think are the special qualities in his performances that mean the most to you as a young artist that you're really looking forward to witnessing in person? Well, as I I already mentioned, Te Deum is one of my favorite 
moments in all of music, and the second act is great. Scotopee is just an amazing role to me. Uh, I've already went and translated the entire score in all of Scotopee um, a couple weeks ago, and I'm really looking forward to seeing him tackle it and just to gleam as much as I can and steal everything I can from him. And then also, since we're running two casts of that show, get to watch somebody else portray the same role and see what's different, what I like, what I don't like, what I would do differently. It's just, it's a great opportunity to see two versions. And of course, our second Scarpia is Lucio Gallo, the very celebrated Italian baritone. Right. And to have a native Italian in the role is its own reward also. So, are there other bass baritones coming to us that you're particularly looking forward to uh, seeing on stage and in rehearsal? Well, I'll I'll say Kyle Kettleson is Uh, is going to be a great Figaro, and I I had the pleasure of seeing him work with a, a Leporello one a, a couple of years ago, which was which was a real joy. He's fantastic and a fantastic singer. In the Buffo repertoire, if I may mention it, the fact that Corbelli is doing yes. Dulcamara mm-hmm. is going to be a, a real highlight. What are the special qualities in his performances? That- he understands everything that all of the minutiae that it takes to really deliver a Buffo role well. And, and who also does that well is Dale Travis, I think, who's who's doing the sacristan, which I'm covering in Tosca, and I'm also covering, he's doing Baron Zeta. In, in Mary Widow. In Mary yeah. Widow. He was the first person that I ever saw really deliver a buffo role and how much craft it takes to to make a buffo role really work and be spectacular. Mm-hmm. And still have a voice and still sing. He, he's, yeah. he's, a, he's a fantastic Bark singer off. and a fantastic actor, mm-hmm. and, and his actual craft is well, I'm, fantastic. I'm very excited about Corbelli, actually, uh, one of, wh- when we were doing Madame Butterfly last year, I was the Bonds in that, and the dresser, he went on and said to me he was very excited about seeing Corbelli sing Dulcamara next year because he's been hearing him sing it for the past 50 years, and he said it was spectacular <laughs> back then already. Mm-hmm. Not so, 50 years. <laughs> little exaggeration. Yeah, yeah. uh, now, I'm wondering if you can articulate for our listeners exactly what the bass baritone voice really is. <laughs> well, uh, it's someone who's not good enough to sing bass and not good enough to sing baritone. No so. high notes, low no notes. <laughs> exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, it's go ahead, Paul, if you'd like to. Well, uh, the bass baritone is—it's a certain color, and it—it uh, it means that you're singing basically in the middle of the voice all the time. We have low notes and high notes, but uh, I don't even know how to elaborate on this. Well, I refer to myself as an in-betweener sometimes, and yes, and so consequently, we wind up doing some of the lower baritone repertoire that maybe. Maybe the producers would like a, a heavier, richer, darker sound, or we wind up singing the higher bass repertoire, which, because it needs a little more flexibility and a little more agility on the top end, mm-hmm. and doesn't have, you know, maybe a, a need for a cavernous low D like maybe Osmine <laughs> or, or something <laughs> like that, or a crazy low F like Zarastro. But yeah, I mean, it, it mainly takes into account the actual range of pitches you can sing, the color at which you sing them, and uh, kind of where the voice flips over from chest to head, where your cricothyroid and cricoarytenoid change places. <laughs> uh, I don't know what our I don't know listeners what make of that. Yeah. I have now, no idea. Was this the voice that you all have had from the time you started serious vocal study, or did you turn into bass baritones? Well, with me, I mean, it was very strange. My voice was lower in junior high and in high school, 
And then as I kept singing, the the voice managed to move up somehow. It's almost like I had a second vocal puberty or yeah. something. <laughs> I started out as a low bass and, and with low Cs. And and then when I started taking voice lessons and working my teacher, I, I became a, a high lyric baritone. And then as I got a little older, it sort of dropped back down and sort of the meat of my range settled a little bit more. And it was more clear that the usable part of my range was more from, say, F to F. That that sort of is a, a bass baritone delineation. Yeah. Mm. Um, I actually started as a lower bass also. I, I sang Oasis and Dosiris when I auditioned for <laughs> undergrad, which is Zoroastro's aria, one of Zoroastro's aria. Uh, and I, my voice, as I learned how to sing, kind of just kept growing and getting... The, the top of it just kept lifting up just a little bit more. Um, and it's it's been doing that for a while. So In considering where you were coming from, in, in terms of your experience, your previous experience when you got to Lyric, you all came from, I think, fairly different uh-huh. roots. Actually, yeah, yeah. Paul, you had only just finished graduate school. Uh, under, under, undergraduate. I never we, even we, yeah. have gone to graduate school. Yeah. <laughs> and... Craig, you had, well, tell our listeners about how a singer who has done more than 700 performance, <laughs> performances at Disney World yeah. c- comes to Lyric Opera of Chicago. Well, uh, originally I, I did my master's work at University of Tennessee, then went to Orlando Opera, which is sadly no longer with us. Uh, but I went to Orlando Opera as a young artist there. I did some, some great stuff with them. I was uh, with them for one year, and while I was there, I met some people at Disney, and they said, well, you should come audition and do it part-time, which I auditioned, and they offered me full-time. And I talked to Orlando Opera about it, and they said it'd be a great opportunity. So I was at Disney World for about a little over a year, in which I did 700 performances of Gaston and Beauty and the Beast, which was a lot, uh, in especially an open-air theater. It was a covered theater, but it was still outside, and it was still... Like, kind of like Ravinia is. Similar to Ravinia or Santa Ravinia. Fe. Yeah. Uh, and when it's 100 degrees outside and humid in Florida and you're wearing a, a foam costume, I didn't need the muscle suit, uh, but they they thought it would work best. Uh, but <laughs> yeah. They Thank can't you. tell Thank you're you. joking on the radio, <laughs> buddy. <laughs> uh, but so I did 700 performances, and I enjoyed it. It taught me a lot about being on stage and about moving on stage and about singing in front of 2,000 people and not getting getting extremely nervous about it. But opera was still my main goal and my my main love, so I did some more auditions and got in here. Yeah. Sam, you came from a, a considerable experience, I believe, in opera, correct? Well, I've done a good bit of it in the last several years. I, I was fortunate enough to go to a school at the University of Houston where we did four shows a year, and usually because two of them were in repertory, I would still wind up only doing three of them a year, and I was there for several years. So I did 10 or 12 when I was there and some before when I was in Wisconsin in school. And then I <coughs> did Santa Fe for a couple of years and then and Marilla also. And so I did major that. young artist programs. Mm-hmm. I, I, did, yeah. I did both of those. And then I was another year gigging around and at the same time I met Jana and she encouraged me to audition and, and then I wound up here, yeah. What do the three of you hope to learn about your voice while you're here and also about the business of being a singer. Mm. Mm. Well, I mean, for me, 
my upbringing was so different from theirs. I didn't go to graduate school. I kind of went straight from undergrad, Northwestern, right into this program. So for the last three years, I've been learning exactly what to do and what not to do and just kind of learning what it really is to be an opera singer. So. I'm very pleased to, to realize that, that even though a lot of people talk about the competition of being an opera singer, I don't think we think of, of, of it as a competition mm-hmm. amongst ourselves. You know, we, the truth is you, you wind up singing the roles you're going to sing, and <laughs> you get hired for what people think you should sing. And, and the issue of competition is, is very, very much less than than a lot of people would have you think. It's really a much more family atmosphere and and very collegial, especially here at Lyric. Yeah. But I think in general the yeah. opera world is is a lot more friendly than than some people would be happy for you to believe. Well <laughs> I went from like competitive college students to all of a sudden some of the the biggest names in opera and the jump that I made, the, the most lovely part about it was just how friendly everyone really is and once you reach a certain level i feel like the competition is all over and it's just we're all in this together to try to make the best possible product for the audience did anything sort of out of the ordinary or particularly amusing happen to any of you uh last season at lyric opera one of my favorite things of last season and this was a, a great learning experience uh, if anybody saw Manon last year, Natalie to say was amazing, an amazing actress, and it was great to be on stage and, and watch her work. Uh, I had a very small role of the sergeant where I'd come in and, and speak in French a little bit and drag Natalie to say around the stage, which was great. But we come in on this cart, and it's supposed to come to center stage, and then we go on with the scene. Well, during like the fourth or fifth performance of it, the cart suddenly stopped. Uh, we found out later it's because one of the soldiers had a sword that got caught in the wheel well, bent the sword almost in half, but it wasn't going anywhere. So, nothing to say, jumped up, ran across the stage where she should be, and I stopped her and grabbed her. Uh, so it was a great uh, improvisation moment, seeing her work and seeing what you have to do to make things go, because sometimes <coughs> things don't always get to where they need to be on stage, because a sword gets stuck in the spikes. <laughs> Paul, there you were, uh, fresh out of undergraduate school, singing The Doctor opposite Renee Fleming in uh, Traviata. What was that like for you? Well, I was 23 at the time. It was my first year here, and I got to share the stage with my lyric opera debut with Renee Fleming, Thomas Hampson, Matthew Polanzani. And uh, one of the funniest things at the very end, the doctor scene, I'm about to go on stage. It's a serious mood. Violetta's dying, and Thomas Hampson comes up to me, and he looks me right in the eye and holds his throat and he says, are you sick? <laughs> you sound very sick today. And he walks off laughing. Right? <laughs> and then I called him a name that I can't say on the radio. And then we both had a good laugh backstage and then I had to literally walk on stage almost crying to tell everyone that Violetta is dead. <laughs> very nice. That's, that's great. That's, that's an great. evil thing to do to a singer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Truly. Sam, have things happened uh, to you on stage at performance, whether in the Manon that you were in with uh, Natalie Desai and Jonas Kaufman? I had a really very nice moment. It's not, you know, scandalous or funny, but a very nice moment when, when I went on, because Craig was ill one day, and I covered oh, the commissioner. Yes, yes. And the commissioner in Madame of Butterflies. Right. And, and both Patricia Rissette and Frank Lopardo were, were very nice and came back and said, you're going to be great. We'll be there for you. And then they both turned and ran off and, and sang 
gloriously that night. It was, uh, it was just a really nice moment, again, reinforcing the fact that everybody's sort of in the same boat trying to make a great product for the audience. And just my favorite part of that is I was, I was very sick. I couldn't keep Phonation, so I was so glad that Sam was there to cover for me. Um, I had to wear a bald cap in the show because I was bald. Uh, Sam does not like wearing bald caps, so instead of wearing a bald cap, which is literally glued to your face, he shaved his head. Um, so <laughs> he shaved his head for the one performance of a f- seven-minute roll. Uh, That's dedication was, to that the arts. dedication to the art, exactly. Yes. Seemed easier at the time. <laughs> <laughs> Paul, you also had the experience of going on for the person you were covering in Falstaff, I believe, the role of Pistola. Uh, yes, I was covering Pistola, and I was uh, the singer was Andrew Funk, and that, that was a very funny opera story, too. It was a Saturday afternoon, and we had our understudy run-through of Barber of Seville. So from 11 to 5, I was singing Bartolo, the bass lead role in, in the understudy run-through of Barber of Seville. Then I get in my car at the end of the day, and I'm driving home, and the rehearsal department calls, and they say, put in your contacts, turn around, you're going to sing Pistol tonight. And this was after Andrew Funk already called in and said he was healthy that day. (laughs) So he canceled at about 6 o'clock that night, and I had about 40 minutes to review my music and get myself... Uh, ready for that show that night so and you got a lot of support from everybody around yes yes everyone around it was just like a real safety net and uh i felt just ready to do it because everyone was you know we were all well prepared and everyone really helped me out even on stage as we were going through the opera in the moment people would kind of tug me to where they wanted me to be on stage so i felt really good and it was a great success and I made everyone happy, and I'll always remember <laughs> and that the show night. Didn't go down, yeah, so and the yeah. show went on. So, well, I wish the three of you tremendous success this season and all of your activities with the Ryan Opera Center, and have a great 2009-10 season and all of your performances. Thank you very much. Thanks Thank for having you. us, Roger. Yeah, thanks for having us. Great. You've been listening to Backstage at Lyric the podcast that takes you behind the curtain at Lyric Opera of Chicago. For additional interactive content and to order tickets, visit us online at lyricopera.org.